You're listening to That's My Story Period, a compilation of hilarious stories by people who happen to get their period. Hosted by me, Steph Garcia. Hi, I'm Joanna Jones, and I got my period at age 13. This is the story of my journey towards tamponhood. So, first of all, I got my period at 13, and all my friends already had it, and I felt, like, really upset about that because I wanted it because I thought it made me, like, an adult. And I used to watch, like, Seventh Heaven with my family every Monday night, and there was this one episode where Lucy really wanted her period, and she was, like, so sensitive about it that she would, like stand on her head in her room because she heard that makes you get your period like faster and she just wanted to be a woman and I totally related with that like I literally remember one time my friend Luciana like I was in her room and she was like do you want to know what it looks like I was like okay so she like literally like showed me her pad like with like the fluid on her pad to like let me know what it looked like and I was like whoa that's cool yeah I eventually got it uh one day I remember like I was on my way to school early in the morning, and I was like, oh, I have to pee before we go to school, Mom. So I went to the bathroom, and I, like, noticed this, like, murky fluid. Like, I was like, that's interesting. I think this might be it. Like, and so I told my mom, and, and she was like, okay, great. Here's some pads, like, blah, blah, blah. She's very, like, non-romantical about that sort of thing. Um, and so I went to school, and I, like, felt so good, but I was, like, so dramatic and tortured. I was like, ugh, like, I have this secret. Like, I'm a woman, and I have to go to the bathroom to change my pad, but, like, no one knows, but I do. And I just thought it was great. I loved it. And so that was, like, at age 13. But, like, I wasn't able to wear tampons, not because my mom wouldn't let me. Like, she didn't care, but just because, like, I couldn't. I couldn't figure out how to get it up there. Like, it just, like, I did not, it did not feel good to me. Every time I would try, like, it would just hurt so bad. Like, there was this, like, burny feeling, and I was like, oh, my God, like, something's wrong with my vagina. Like, there's something wrong with me, and I'm not going to be able to wear tampons. And so this went on for, like, four years. Like, I would try every once in a while, but it just, like, wouldn't work. And, like, that little description in the, in the like, the Tampax thing, like, was not helpful at all. It just made me feel dirty because this girl's, like, sitting on the toilet, like, with her legs spread. I was like, I shouldn't even be looking at this. This is wrong. And so I was 17, I remember, and I was like, this, this has got to stop. So I went to the doctor. Like, I made one of my best friends come with me. And I told the doctor, I was like, I think there's something wrong with me. Like, I can't wear tampons. And, like, so this lady doctor, like, you know, proceeds to, like, put her fingers up inside me. And I'm, like, holding my best friend's hand, like, squeezing it. She's like, okay, so does this hurt? And I'm like, yeah, like, it just feels like, you know, you're setting, like, my vagina on fire. Like, you're lighting a match up me. Like, it burns so bad. She's like, okay, okay, just, like, breathe. I'm going to push past this, and you let me know how that feels. So she pushes past this, like, burning sensation. And she's like, how does that feel? And I'm like, it doesn't hurt anymore. Oh, my God. So she, like, finishes up, and she's like, okay, so there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> By the way, I was not sexually active at that age. She was like, you're a really small person, and, like, you're in dance and stuff like that, and, like, you're very active, and a lot of times athletic people, their muscles are really tight and tense and stuff like that. And she's like, I think it's just some tissue, some extra tissue up there that was, like, you know, was really, like, tense and tight. And, like, if you just push past the burning sensation – It'll be home free. I was like, okay, great. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. So I tried a couple more times the next couple periods, and, like, same thing. It was just it just hurt, and it was, like, an unpleasant sensation. But there was this one day, and it was, like, homecoming week. I was, like, a senior in high school, and I was nominated for homecoming queen. There was one day where um, we were having a big rally, and I was supposed to sing the national anthem at the rally. 
And, um, you know, homecoming week is, like, filled with, like, costume contests and all this stuff. And um, this particular day, uh, I was dressed as a Native American. I don't know why. I come from a podunk town, and I guess the theme was, like, cowboys and Indians that day, which is really messed up. But I was dressed as a Native American, and I was going to sing the national anthem. And I got my period that morning. And... I was having the most monstrous cramps ever. I was writhing around on the ground, like, screaming. And my mom was like, it's okay. Like, have some more Tylenol. It's going to be fine. And so eventually I got that under control. And I was like, you know what? Like, I need to just, like, try this tampon thing because I have a very long day ahead of me. I have this rally. I'm in a Native American costume. Like, uh, the game is tonight. So I went in the bathroom and I was like, I'm going to do this shit. And so I just, I just, like, pushed past the Bernie sensation. I was like, I know that past the Bernie sensation, it's going to be fine. So I pushed past it. Boom got it up and I couldn't feel anything. I was like, oh my God, I don't even feel like it's in there. Like, this is amazing. And I literally, like, it changed my life. I went to school. Again, I had a great secret. I was like, I have a tampon and no one knows. And I like sang the national anthem. And then I won homecoming queen that night, senior year. So yeah, that was my journey to tamponhood. That is my story, period. Thank you. I love the image of a friend with you (laughs) holding your hand. Oh, I was squeezing her. She was like, oh, my God. (laughs) While I'm being, like, fingered by a lady doctor. Uh Uh-huh. It was very... Had your friend used tampons, too, or...? I... Honestly, I think at that point, like, her mom didn't let her or something, Mm -hmm. so... My mom didn't care, like, which is surprising, like, because I came from a very conservative background. But she was like, whatever, like, what's wrong with you? Just, like, put it up. Like, what's, it's not that hard. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. So I was traumatized, but it really changed my life being able to wear tampons, like, because oh. I'm so, at, like, I dance all the time, and I'm wearing, like, you know, tight dance pants and stuff. I'm bending over. I'm doing splits. And I'm like, it just feels weird to, like, have, like, a diaper on, like, during that. <laughs> I just could not sustain that lifestyle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did your, were, uh, was your flow, like, heavy, too, on top of it? or Sometimes. It wasn't too bad, but yeah. it, it was just bad enough to where I, it was just very in the way. It was just too intrusive for well, me. Well, yeah, and especially when you're, like, moving around. Like, there's, it's liquid, so, you know. Yeah, I was like, well, I'm, like, spreading my legs in this dance combination. I just don't feel safe enough to be doing that right now. Like... So tampons are the best thing that ever happened. So I guess that's your feminine product of choice then. Yeah. Specifically, though, Tampax Pearls. Like, Oh, I like those, yeah. I've used those since day one, and just something about the way they made the applicator mm-hmm. just makes it so easy for me to work it out, and so I always get those. I like that your mom was so, like, <laughs> whatever about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's British. She's very dry. She's just like, okay, here you go, like... I was, like, having an emotional, like, outburst. Like, I'm a woman. And she's like, here you go. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Just put the tampon in. <laughs> so, and move on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's kind of nice and refreshing, though. I, I was one of the girls who, like, my mom was kind of like, uh, don't use tampons and had, like, the Kotex, like, overnight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Until college. And then I, I, I like, had a tampon because I use tampons. And I had a tampon coming of age in college where I... I was like, dumb, dumbass me. After a shower where I'm like hot and probably like dehydrated, oh, I tried to use no. it and I passed out. Yeah. And I was like, is this what's supposed to happen? 
Which it's not. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that reminds me of, like, I used to be terrified that, because on those tampon things, it, like, warns you of, like, toxic shock syndrome. Oh, yeah. I used to think, like, I was going to die if I left it in for too long. Like, I was terrified by that. But I've left it in for, like, literally 12 hours at a time by mm-hmm. accident, and nothing happens. Like, it's fine. I know. I know. And I've, like, I've read the opposite, too, of, like, people who have gone through it, and it's terrible. So oh, I, my gosh. But I, I'm with you. I've done it, too, where I've left them in for, like, 12 hours. Like, oops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You forget. <laughs> you don't feel it. Like. Yeah. Have you ever put like two in at once by accident? No. I have. Terrifying. <laughs> uh, do you have to like dig yes, in? Yes. You have to do surgery and like dig for it and find it. Like, oh. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. That's been, it's a huge fear of mine. I will sometimes like, if I think, if I'm even like half afraid there's one in there, I'll wait and I'll dig first. <laughs> I mean, is the coast clear? Great. <laughs> exactly. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a fear of mine, for sure, too. Well, it's that freaky, though. Yeah. Because what if you can't reach it? What if it's so far up somewhere you can't get it? You have to go to the doctor and you're like, uh, so. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, uh, finally, do, do you have any advice or, like, anything that you wish you had been told when you were younger going through it at the beginning or, or just any thoughts or, yeah? I wish I would have spent more time, like, studying, like, all the effects like, of PMS, like, what it does to, like, your body. Because as I got older, I just, like, I have PMS for, like, literally two weeks. So it's, like, I only have, like, one normal week a month. And two weeks of, like, retaining water and being starving all the time and, like, being, like, so sleepy and, like, uh, my boobs get so big and it hurts so bad and, like, and it's, like, an emotional thing and I'm a singer and so my vocal cords change during that time and it's harder for me to produce sound and, like, there's just so many things. And I remember reading this book that said, like, uh, your immune system is a lot lower because there's just so much going on in your body. So I think I wish I would have learned that, like, you just really have to take care of your body and know your body during PMS because your body's going through a lot to make that happen every month, so... What, um, sorry to, to bring up the vocal cords. I've sure. never heard that. It's like, yeah, well, you know how you can retain water uh-huh. during, well, your vocal cords can as well. So they'll get like extra thick. And that's not always a good thing because like sound is not gonna. And so, like, I'll be in the middle of like a difficult show and like my voice will change, like, and it'll be harder for me to access my full range. And, um, yeah, I've done a little research on it. It happens to a lot of singers and I've had to find ways of, treating myself so I'll like take a lot of ginger and turmeric to keep the inflammation as low as possible during that time so I can still phonate properly it's very annoying like you get hoarse easily like oh it's just so annoying yeah well that's a yeah that's I would have never I don't sing I can't sing (laughs) you do not want to hear me sing Uh, so of course I've never experienced that so that's so super interesting yeah it affects your body in so many ways that you don't even realize yeah so I learned that more as I get older yeah, well, I just learned that right now. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, totally. Thank you, Jonna. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Hi, my name is Julie Hollop, and I got my period at 13. So I got my period in the spring of seventh grade. I remember it was spring because I grew up in New York, and we were playing outside, and it was nice out, and school was still in session, so that's how I know. When I got my period, oddly enough, my seventh grade boyfriend, I was dating an eighth grader, happened to be over. And I don't remember, luckily I was at a friend's house who had, she was one of three girls and she was the youngest. So her mom was like a period pro. So I think that story was very non-momentous. However, I was a big athlete and 
uh, let's see, I got my period that spring. So I played and I played ice hockey year round and lacrosse in the spring. So for ice hockey, it wasn't bad having a pad on because you have so much padding that you can't even really feel. It's just like one extra layer. You don't even know it's there. For lacrosse, you wear spandex. So the pad kind of stays in place. Well, that summer I was on like a summer basketball team. And while I was going into eighth grade, it was a high school team. So I was the youngest by like a significant amount. I also had recently gone to Florida and gotten really bad sun poisoning, kind of unrelated to the story, but it just adds to the overall discomfort. Um, So I had like blisters all over my chest, my face, my shoulders, like really bad because I was an idiot and like, I was away with my very dark-skinned Italian friend, and she was like, oh, I don't need sunblock. I just lay in the sun, and I'm super white, white person, um, and just like blistered up like crazy. So anyway, it was the summer basketball league. It's the first game, and I have my period. And for those sports, I was okay with a pad for the reasons I gave, but I felt like basketball, you have shorts with nothing under them. I suppose I could have worn spandex. I don't know why I didn't think of that. And I feel like there's, I, I felt like there's a lot of like short, intense movements and jumping. So I was like, all right, this is, I need to do a tampon. Like I can't wear a pad for this. So I don't know how I acquired a tampon actually. My mom didn't use tampons. So I don't know if I like got one from a friend. It's so funny. It feels like we're talking about something illegal. Like, you know, oh, I paid an older person to go into CVS and get me some tampons. So I don't know how I acquired a tampon. I know I did not have any conversation with my mom or any other female on like how to use them. I do remember like reading the actual info pamphlet that came with it. So we're on our way to go to this basketball tournament or whatever, summer basketball league. I think my dad, I know my dad was there with me. So I, I put the, read the directions, put the tampon in, thought, wow, that was easy. Everything's good. Get to the game. And in like the first quarter, I'm just like, oh, it's a little uncomfortable. Like, I, I don't think I'm supposed to feel it this much. Pretty much I'd put the tampon like halfway in, which if you've ever done so yourself is incredibly uncomfortable. Again, I didn't have anyone guiding me, so apparently I didn't read those directions quite well enough. I, after that first quarter, was like, I got to go to the bathroom and do something about this. But I just went by myself. I didn't, again, I had my dad with me, and I was close with my dad, but not in like a, that kind of way. Like we were close, like a dad, daughter, like, you know, we mainly bonded over sports. So it was very not female-ish relationship. So I just went into the bathroom and I was like, I I guess I got to get this thing out. And I didn't know that if you've only been wearing a tampon for 15 minutes and it's not a super heavy day, it really hurts to take a tampon out when it's dry. So I am pulling on this thing and it is not coming out and I start to freak out. And at this point in time, I'm sweating from both playing basketball, the sun poisoning all over me. I look like Freddy Krueger and I'm just freaking out in the bathroom by myself in this stall being like, what do I do? I have a tampon stuck halfway in and halfway out. And my dad is the only person here to help me. I suppose I could have gotten an older girl on the team maybe, but Again, I was like significantly younger than everyone. I was 13. Everyone else was like 16. So I think I was too embarrassed to like go get them. And I didn't know anyone that well. Needless to say, I did eventually get it out. I sort of just was like, I just got a one, two, three and and rip it Band-Aid style. 
So I did get it out, but I remember being quite traumatized. And it was one of those moments that I feel like as a woman, um, especially as a mom, you experience this, where you've just had something very traumatic and emotional, and then you just have to like re-enter the real world. Like, no big deal. I'm here back to play basketball. So I did return to the game um, and finish it off with a pad. And uh, I think it was some amount of time before I went back to a tampon, but I did make sure the next time that it was number one, all the way in, and number two, waited a little longer to take it out. That's my story, period. Thank you, Julie. Sure. (laughs) Oh, man. I think we've all been there. But I just can't imagine, like, the first time, too, where you're... (laughs) You imagine like it's stuck. Oh my God. And then you don't realize, like it really does feel stuck. Yeah. Like, you know, that feeling everyone, once you're an experienced period person, um, you know that feeling, but it really does feel like, oh no, something might be actually wrong. Like I remember the ideas flashing through my head, like, oh my God, are we going to have to go to the doctor? Am I going to go have to get my dad and be like, can you take me to the ER? I have a tampon stuck. And it's not really stuck, but it does feel like you do have to pull harder than one would think. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's like your your canal just like latches onto yes, it. Yes, it felt like it was like teeth, like holding it in. And right. I did not expect that. I thought it would sort of glide on out as easily as it went in. That does not happen. I guess it makes sense. An, an applicator is like plastic mm-hmm. and cotton is not quite the same. So um, yeah. yeah, I was also like, uh, when I first started using tampons, I was also really surprised too, when you would like pull them, I, cause I had done that once or twice. Yeah. So you pull it out and then it's like three times the size yes. of what went in yes. and you're just like, wait, what? How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. But that makes sense. It needs to be absorbent. The other thing too, that, um, I always find super fascinating is like, we're one of the only countries that use applicators. Right. And I don't, I still to this day, like don't know what I would be better at, like yeah. positioning wise. Yes. I, maybe it's just cause I'm used to it. I like the applicator, but the few times I've had to, you know, insert anything without an applicator, I've been like, wish I had an applicator. Um, I just cause I, I feel like I never quite get it in the right spot Mm -hmm. um just from doing like any medicine for various reasons um (laughs) you know I think at one point in one pregnancy I had to do progesterone that you just inserted and I always felt like that was just gonna fall out and you know not work but yeah it is interesting that other countries don't don't use them and they think like the it's the opposite too like when they see applicators they're like I don't understand right how this is better right yeah I guess the good thing about if you're from another country and you're here and you can't find a tampon without an applicator, you can always take, take the actual the... tampon out of the applicator. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're in Europe and uh, have that problem, I guess you just got to learn to uh, do without. Yeah. Well, it's better for the environment. Right? Yeah. The other thing that has happened too is like sometimes I'm like, where's the string? Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> that is the worst. And you know what? I remember in college always being concerned that like, you know, you go out and you are drunk and like, mm-hmm. I'd come home or like wake up the next morning and be like, did I take the tampon out? Did I uh-huh. leave the tampon in? Do I have toxic shock syndrome? And like that moment of like, where's the string? Where's the string? And worrying like, did I put another one in? Like, I remember stressing over that less less now because I'm not quite blackout drunk as much. Um, <laughs> I always felt like that was the curveball to be like, oh, I don't quite remember. Like, did I take the other one out before I put a new one in? Did I just shove it further up there? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that I never did that. Thank God. Yeah. I never <laughs> did do it, but I did think I'd done it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. 
Cool. So I guess your feminine product of choice are tampons? Still tampons, yeah. I, I have a four-month-old right now, so I'm not getting my period, and that, that's kind of like one benefit of having a four-month-old. <laughs> um, but I was, I did um, fill out the application for a, God, what's the popular IUD? Marina? Um, no, what's the other one? Why is it copper? It's, yes, it is the copper one, so it must be that. Yeah. Um, well, no, Marina's not the copper oh, one. Oh, no, it's the copper one. I don't know, what's, the Paragard? Paragard, yes, thank <laughs> you. And I am going to launch an all-out war. My insurance will not cover Paragard, and Ugh. it's the only non-hormonal one. So they were like, well, you could just buy it yourself and then make an appointment with your OB to have it put in, but it's like $800, which I guess if you do the math, it lasts, like, you know, however many years. Yeah. You know, five years, I think, something. I don't even... I should look it yeah, up. Yeah, but, but still. Um, however many years and, you know, whatever. It's probably ultimately worth it. And they say the best time to actually put in the IUD is right after you've had a baby. Because typically, huh. the first three to six months are the roughest when you get your period. Like, that's the heaviest. But if you are... If you're just postpartum, um, you typically don't get your period during those months anyway, so you mm-hmm. sort of bypass that whole thing. So I had planned to do it, you know, like right away. Basically, at my six-week postpartum appointment, I filled out all the paperwork and was planning to go back in like two weeks, they say it takes to get like all, you know, to mm-hmm. f- send it in and get the approval and right. blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, I was so bummed when I found out. And I was like, I hate the U.S. Like, yeah. Yeah, because it was like there's no other there's no other option if you want non-hormonal. That's it. That's your only one. So I'm like, that is incredibly frustrating. Oh, yeah. Because I never liked birth control. Like, I've tried. I've done various pills. I did the um, NuvaRing. That was a little better for me. But I don't, the hormones definitely make me cuckoo. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. But yeah, I was, for a while, I was like determined. I was going to start a GoFundMe page to raise money for a Paragard. I saw a tweet the other day. This is like a a healthcare thing. But I saw a tweet. It's like, how about a massive GoFundMe where everyone puts in a little bit (laughs) for everyone else? And it's like, oh, yeah, universal healthcare, (laughs) y'all. Yeah. uh, So that's a bummer. Yeah. Well, so I don't know what my I've just been like too busy with the infant to consider what my move is going to be next. But yeah, I should probably be back to tampons. All right. And finally, is there any like advice or tips or things you wish someone had told you when you were first going through it? I wish I had at 13 and this is so much easier to say in hindsight knew that like your period shouldn't be like an embarrassing secretive thing. Like I could have grabbed any woman or older girl and just been like, hey, is this normal? Can you help me out? What am I doing wrong? And nobody would have been like, oh my God, no, figure that out on your own. I think we put such a stigma around it and make it an embarrassing thing and it's a perfectly natural, normal thing. Um, And I gladly, you know, I'm thinking of like, uh, a 13 year old girl in the neighborhood and her like walking by my house, like struggling in that situation. Like I want to put a sign on my, um, on the corner being like tampon help available. <laughs> Come on in, just knock or any embarrassing girl questions. Cause I think it's so hard at that age. Um, and you don't realize that like every adult woman can help you and has gone through this and won't think it's any big deal. Yeah, I agree. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Madeline, and I got my period two months before my 15th birthday. This past January, I started having pain on my right side. I thought it was just very painful ovulation, followed by a very painful period, more painful than usual. But the pain never went away, and sometimes it felt like my back was spasming, and sometimes it felt like my ovary was throbbing. By the end of February, I was a little concerned, but I didn't want to talk to my doctor because I was tired of having my pain disregarded. See, I've always had awful mind-bending cramps, and doctors either prescribed painkillers the size of horse pills or birth controls, which I refuse to take for reasons I can't get into at the moment. My last doctor said I had dysmenorrhea, which is just the clinical term for cramps, so that wasn't super helpful. And my last gynecologist told me that if I didn't want to take birth control, then I, quote, needed to suck it up and deal with the pain. And when it came to vaginal pain, pap smears were a fucking nightmare. I had my first one as a virgin and immediately texted my sister that if this was anything like sex, then thanks, but no fucking thanks. Doctors never seemed to pay any mind to the pain I was experiencing during their exams, like sharp fingernail-like scratching or burning that I felt in my cervix. So when the same pain happened during sex, I thought it was normal. Why shouldn't any of this not be normal? No one told me otherwise. So you can see why I had zero desire to see my doctor again and be written off again. But then it was May, and I was still in constant pain, so I finally changed doctors and requested an ultrasound which revealed a 10-centimeter cyst the size of an infant's head on my right ovary. So I was referred to a new gynecologist who informed me that the cyst was most likely an endometrioma, a blood-filled cyst that's a symptom of endometriosis, and it needed to come out. Then she did an exam and found that my lower organs were fused together and that the pain I felt during this exam was a symptom of a widespread but under-discussed condition called vaginismus. Endometriosis is generally diagnosed via surgery, but she said all of these symptoms, the cysts, the fused organs, the cervical pain, all pointed to endometriosis. On average, it takes 7 to 12 years for a woman to get diagnosed with endometriosis, and it took me 17. And while I'm very thankful to have a name for the last 17 years of awfulness, I now have to educate myself. What little I did know about endometriosis before this was all wrong and it wasn't helped by my doctors. This new gynecologist told me that she would refer me to an oncologist slash gynecologist for surgery. And then after surgery, I'd need to get pregnant immediately because, as she said, I didn't have much time and it was a good way to treat the disease. The oncologist slash gyne said that after surgery, her treatment plan would be to put me into early menopause for three months via a very scary drug called Lupron, and then immediately have a baby because she said the only way to treat endo was by putting it on pause with birth control or Lupron, and the only way to cure it was with a full hysterectomy, so it was important that I have a baby first. But endospecialists and the most up-to-date research all agree that Lupron and BC are just band-aids. A hysterectomy isn't even recommended by the ACOG, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, unless a doctor has first found endo on your uterus, but women are continually told this is their only option before even going into surgery. Endometriosis needs to be cut out, but the average doctor burns it off, which is like cutting the top off of a rotting tooth instead of pulling it out. 
Also, having a baby is a life decision, not a medical treatment. The focus always seems to be more on making sure that we can have babies instead of making sure that we can have normal, pain-free lives. The good thing is, the internet exists, and it's full of information. There are good surgeons out there who are actual endospecialists and spend their days performing super intricate excision surgery. There are endometriosis surgical centers with websites that have the latest surgical articles. I'm sorry, research articles. Strides are being made, but they're small. Most insurance companies will only cover a portion of excision surgery, which is where I'm at in my journey. I have my first surgical consult in a couple of hours with the surgeon that I found from doing my own research. I had to fight with my insurance company for it, and they miraculously approved it. And then I'll have to fight with them again for my surgery to be covered, even if only a little bit. Such is the endlessly fun journey of being a sick woman in a world where women's health is not valued. There are a few things I've learned so far that have helped me and I hope will help any women dealing with any kind of illness. First, find other women who've been through it. They're full of wisdom. Second, listen to your body. If things don't feel right, see a doctor and educate yourself so you can advocate for yourself. Third, and most importantly, take care of yourself. And that's my story, period. Wow. Uh, thank you. That was incredible, Madeline. I have so many questions, <laughs> and I don't even know where to start. This was really difficult for me to listen to. I mean, when you said that you had to fight for an ultrasound, it was an it was an ultrasound that they did to find it. Or sorry, maybe I'm. They had to do an ultrasound where they found this cyst. Right. I had to fight to see a specialist. Okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you had to advocate to get the ultrasound because everyone oh, I, was saying that the pain was Oh, like, I did have to ask for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that they wouldn't, that, that was what I mean is like they wouldn't even think to request it just to, mm. just to see. Like just to be like, mm. if this is something that you've been dealing with for so long, like maybe... The next step is to look a little further. You had to be the one to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd think someone would follow up on that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, a doctor. So that's, that was just sad to, the the very beginning of that. And then to have to fight to see a specialist every step of the way you're fighting. And you're also still dealing with the pain. Oh, yeah. Every day. And not just, not just the physical pain, right? It's like the the mental exhaustion oh my gosh yeah i think that's um a part that is like talked about the least when it comes to endo but i mean any kind of chronic illness is the mental aspect of it i mean my my pain and disease has, it feels like it's been progressing a lot the last couple of months and like i've already been struggling with anxiety and depression my whole life, right? Like, who doesn't? But it seems to have hit a tipping point with all of this. And so, I mean, thank God for therapy. Yeah. But I kind of wish a surgeon would also be like, oh, here's some medicine. Yeah. <laughs> here's how you can take care of yourself. Well, yeah. And then the the next thing that, like, is still sticking out of my mind is that anyone would prescribe having a kid. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) All the time. All the time. I have friends who, I mean, there's a surprising amount of women around us who struggle with endometriosis. They just don't talk about it because they figured out how to deal with it in a way, whether it's with a Band-Aid or, you know, like birth control or what have you. 
But a lot of women I know had babies because they were told it would help and it didn't. Oh, no. Because <laughs> that's not how you treat it, you no. know? like. And if I can tell you one thing about having kids, if you're already, like, under so much stress, it's going to add to well, it. Well, yeah, and how do you not resent that kid? I know. <laughs> this is asking for trouble. It boggles my mind. Were these all women gynos? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I think I've had one dude gyno. And the worst thing he did was, like, besides never giving me my test results, was... When I was having pain during the exam, he was like, oh, well, have you had sex? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, well, just like, wait. And I was like, oh, okay. But also, sex is not supposed to hurt. Um, no. <laughs> like... Uh, so I, I, I don't. I guess I apologize. Thank for you. Your you're sex fully hurting. responsible for this. <laughs> um, that yeah, sex is not supposed to hurt. So please, anybody that is having sex and it's painful. I literally did not know it wasn't supposed to hurt until like three months ago. <gasps> when? Well, I don't know if this is too much information, but how long have you been sexually active? Long enough that three months ago is too recent. Uh, <laughs> Man, it's just, it it bothers me so much, the whole, everything. Well, now that you're going to go see a specialist, um, what are, so what are the next steps? They have to approve you for the surgery? Are you already approved for the surgery? Um, I'm approved for a consultation. Okay. And uh, at this consultation, he's going to look at my ultrasound and the notes that the um previous gynecologist and oncologist that I had mentioned, uh, the notes that they had written, which according to his office are not helpful. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, just bring what you have. It's going to be more helpful than what they provided. Ugh. I was like, oh, okay. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Um, so they'll go through that and I have like a whole list of questions like, um, what's his treatment plan? What? How many patients has he treated? What's mm -hmm. the rate of recurrence? It's like a lot of endo resource websites have a list of questions you should ask your surgeon. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like a bunch of that. So he'll go through that with me, the type of incisions he'll make, um, the process of removing it, um, whether it's in other parts of my body, what that process will be like. And then we'll talk about, um, you know, setting up a time for surgery if he feels it's necessary, which I'm sure he will. I have a baby-sized cyst in my body. Um, and I think his office has to file the paperwork, and then I need to keep on top of my, in, like, my caseworker with my insurance company. All right. Well, I mean... Super fun stuff. Yeah. I, I honestly, I'm like, please keep us posted. Like, I'm I'm happy to update listeners whenever we get updates. Um, so lastly, oh, man, I have these two questions I ask everyone. And I'm the first one is the uh, preferred feminine product. Mm -hmm. So given that with all this pain, is there like a product that you prefer and stuff? I do. I have like my like my top three. I okay. feel like for when I'm feeling like a normal functioning human, my lunette cup is a godsend. Um, 
thinks uh-huh. movies are fantastic. Sometimes it's like not enough, if you know what I mean. But they're like great to wear. They're comfortable. I love that they're eco-friendly because they're reusable. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my solid go-to is my like uh, Fashy water, hot water bottle. Fashy is like a German company, and they make this really excellent hot water bottle. And you just fill it with hot water, and I always have it attached to my body at some point because I'm always in pain um but I like it's it's durable mm-hmm. and it's well made <laughs> it's like pop a couple Advil put a hot water bottle on your stomach which I feels very like basic but I use it all the time like yeah. every day if it helps basic is okay if it helps <laughs> um and then lastly any advice? I mean, you've kind of said, you know, listen to your body. So if you want to reiterate that, if you want to add anything, by all means. Um, I would say that endo looks different on everyone. I didn't think I had it because the women I did know that had it were constantly bleeding or they were in pain all the time. Um, and that wasn't my experience. And so... You know, when you go online, you, you like WebMD symptoms, and it'd be like, oh, I have some of that, but I also don't have some of that. And doctors were obviously unhelpful. Um, and like I said, endo is something that has to be diagnosed officially via surgery. But I think that's where listening to your body comes in. Like, the, you know, pain is normal during your period, but debilitating pain isn't. It shouldn't be interfering with your daily life, and it was for me. Um, and uh, so that's what I would say is like, if you feel like things are off and, you know, don't base what you think is endo off somebody else's case, cause it's going to be completely different. Got it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Madeline. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We have our first ever update here on That's My Story period. Madeline recorded with us back in September, and at the beginning of December, she had her surgery with her dream surgeon, in which many things were found and removed, and her insurance agreed to cover it. Madeline is still recovering, but she is very thankful that she was able to get the kind of treatment that's still out of reach for so many women. Madeline, we're super thankful, too. We hope you feel better soon. Thank you so much for the update. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts to hear more period stories. And check out thehotgoss.com, politics for smart mouths.